I was trying to think, you know, we were doing a lot of preaching and revelation uh, through our Sunday school. I encourage you, at 930 Bible study, if you're not coming, you need to be here. They're going verse by verse through the book of Revelation. Tremendous study. And I was thinking, how should I start the service this morning? And this is what I've decided. Are you ready? Merry Christmas. <laughs> you know, for you that uh, having problems with your memory, uh, you haven't given me the gift yet. And I want you to be aware of that. But, you know, Merry Christmas is, uh, I realized during uh, December, November, last November, we, we kind of make a big scene of that. And, you know, we don't want them to call it a holiday time. Or, you know, we want them, you know, it's, uh, uh, not, it's not Xmas. You know, it's Merry Christmas. But I think that sometimes that we don't understand the whole story, what's, what's really went on. I don't know about you, but I hope you never get used to this. God came to earth. You think about what that's what took place during that Mary. Certainly, that'll be kind of a spirit should excite us. We ought to be thrilled about that. But when you read the scripture, there's more said about the second coming than the first coming. I mean, when you think about it, we make so much of Christmas, and I, I don't want to diminish that. I want to make much of it. But of the 46 prophets in the Old Testament, 36 of them talked about the second coming. They dealt with the second coming, and there was an anticipation of him coming back the second time. I mean, there's close to 1,600 verses in the Old Testament talking about the second coming. In the New Testament, there's over almost 8,000 verses talking about the second coming. In fact, outside of faith, it's the things that's preached about the most. The second coming of the Lord. And there, as you read the Word of God, there seems to be an anticipation of that. I mean, anticipating that God's going to come back just like he said he would there in Acts chapter 1, there on the Mount of Olives, how he'll come back and he'll be exactly at the same place and all these things are going to take place. And I believe what God is trying to do for us here is to try to help us to anticipate his coming, get excited about that. It's amazing what excites people today. There's some folks are going to be really excited about next week when the Gators play. Oh, they're not playing. It's uh, the, other, the other professional teams, the other, other guys. But, but they're going to get excited about that. I mean, they're already getting ready to paint themselves up, and they're getting ready to, they bought those tickets, you know, and, and I found no one complaining about the price they had to pay for that. And, but they just are so glad they got it, and they're, 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 they're excited, and they're enthusiastic, and they're talking about it, and the news is full of it, and all that kind of stuff. And, and yet, it's going to be passed, and it's not going to really matter one way or the other. And I'm saying that this morning, we need to get excited about the reality that God is coming back the second time. We need to anticipate that. Uh, we need to think about that. We need to let that, that understanding, that process kind of permeate our minds. It would, it would cause us to be more active about getting the gospel out because what you believe is how you behave. What you believe is what you do. You can tell me all, all day what you believe. I can tell you exactly what you believe. It's what's occupying your time. It's what's occupying your interest. It's what's occupying your finances. If you really believe that God's coming back, and the Bible says at any time he could come back, then you would be behaving differently. And so it's my goal this morning to try to bring this to the forefront. The reason why that we're taking the time to go through the book of Revelation is to help prepare us. You know, the Bible says we shouldn't be ignorant about this thing. Now, I'm not going to be able to give you the exact time and day, but I can tell you what it's going to look like. And we need to be anticipating this and preparing for this. This ought to be the motivating factor in our life. And last week we talked about, here in Revelation 19, we, we talked about anticipating the Lord. We talked about the advents of him coming back. 
Uh, he, the window of heaven was opened twice, one for the rapture, the church to go in. It's going to be open another time when he comes back with the army. Verse 11, let me read those scriptures to you again. 19, Revelation 19, verse 11, And I saw heavens open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat on him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness it does judge and make war. And his eyes were as a flame of fire. We talked about that. And his, the, the, the omniscient eyes, the all-knowing eyes. And on his head was the mantle of a crown, speaking of his authority. And he had the name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. And we talked about verse 14. And the armies which were in heaven followed him on white horses clothed in fine linen and white and clean. And we talked about the army, kind of how we finished up the, the lesson last week. We, we talked about this very unique army that is going to be coming out of heaven. And the saints and the angels. And the, the thing that we talked about, the army that was kind of unique, is the army won't be fighting. That kind of sounds a little strange, doesn't it? It won't be fighting. It's the, the battle is the Lord's. The battle is God's. He's the one that will be fighting. And one of the questions I asked you last week is, are you in the army? Are you there? I mean, it, it, this morning, do you know for sure if you die that heaven would be your home? Do you have that assurance in your heart? And, and one of the things I tried to drive down last week was that you need to make sure you're in the army. You're going to be a part of that. And the second thing I said, what kind of soldier are you? What kind of soldier are you? I mean, you know, you, you claim to be a soldier, so what kind of soldier are you? Are you everything God would have you to be? So well, I don't know what that is. Well, you can find out if you read the Word of God. We say this so many times. It's not that we don't understand the Word of God. We understand it. We just don't want to do it. You know, we'd be honest. We just don't want to do what it says. So it's so easy to first say, well, it's so mystical. It's not all that mystical. We just simply don't want to understand it. And you're still there in the book of Revelation. We go to the fourth point is the authority. What authority does uh, Christ have to do these things that we're talking about this uh, morning? Look at verse 15. Now out of the mouth goeth a sharp sword that when he shall strike the nations, he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of fierceness and the wrath of the Almighty God. He has his robe on, the, on his thigh, a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Revelation 1.16 says, He hath in his right hand seven stars out of the mouth when a sharp two-edged sword in his countenance was like the sun shining in strength. When he comes back the second time, he's going to deal with the nations. Don't you get tired of being made fun of being a Christian? Then they get a little old. I mean, it's a, 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 we talk about, you know, discrimination. Well, Christians really do get it put to them and all. And it gets a little old. I have to tell you, I know we say, well, turn the other cheek. Yeah, but when you turn the other cheek, what's next? You know, do we have to, you know. I mean, we get to a situation, and I realize that, you know, I know we're living in very perilous times and all that kind of stuff, and, and I realize that we're, you know, but you, you hate for right to be called wrong and wrong to be called right. You get a little weary of that kind of stuff. You get to a place that, man, you know, is there going to be any justice? I'm here to tell you, yes, there is. Yes, there is justice. This is what's getting ready to take place here. He indeed is going to be setting the, the crooked places straight. Uh, this, this sword is a symbol of an instrument of war. Uh, Psalms 2.9 says, You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. When he comes back the second time during Christmas, did I say Merry Christmas yet? Okay. <laughs> during, during Christmas, we, we have a tendency to quote Isaiah 9. For unto you a child is born, unto you a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful and Counselor and Mighty God and Everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. And at the first coming, Jesus certainly fulfilled 
a part of this prophecy, but in the second coming, the governments will be on his shoulders. He will control the government. You don't have to worry about the vote. You know, you don't have to worry about the spin that we're dealing with today. Uh, and I know this is a very precarious time, and preacher, you say, well, preacher, what do you think about what's going on? I think we need to be doing some praying. I think we need to spend some time to quit griping and complaining and get on our knees and ask God for mercy and ask God for grace and ask God to intervene for us. I think it's very important to understand that the, 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 whether you're a Republican or, or, a, or a Democrat or whatever you may be, that's not the answer. That's not going to solve our problems. Only Jesus coming back is going to solve our problems. You understand that. And our responsibility, though, you say, well, are you, are you going to vote? Yes, I am. And I am registered. And I'm carrying No, no, no. And, but there's folks here that are. And so I want you to understand that we have a responsibility. God's given us a responsibility. I, I'm, not, I'm not willing to turn our country over. I still believe that we need to, we need to pray. I still believe that we're a God-blessed country. I, I, you know, I realize there's a lot of folks in this country want to see some good things happen. And what we have a tendency to do is that we have a tendency you know, to look at the black spot on the paper. We don't realize all the good stuff that's there. And, and we have a tendency to want to just give it up. Turn it over. I don't, I, don't, I just don't feel that's what we ought to do. You know, let's not live beyond our privilege. I mean, we have the power of prayer, and we need to be using that power of prayer. If anybody ought to be optimistic, ought to be excited about what's going on, I don't mean that we, I like some of the problems and difficulties that we're facing, but what you've got to understand is that God has promised if we would just humble ourselves and pray and seek his face, turn from our wicked ways, he'll heal our land. I realize he applies it to Israel, but it applies to us as well. It's a principle in the Word of God. And one of the things that kind of helps me get excited about that is because Jesus is coming back. I mean, he's coming back. He's gonna, all these things are going to be taken care of, and you say, you know, I know that I, you know, I'm excited about him coming back, I, and, I, and it ought to excite us and thrill us, but you know what it does to me? It, it helps me to kind of help me to focus on what's important, why, why sunshine rather than why we're taking some of the steps that we're taking. That we're looking for more ways to reach this community for God. I mean, we talk about every our, our core project, community outreach endeavor. You know, we're we're putting together four or five uh, soccer fields out there, and and, and 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 flag football fields, and pavilions, and all that walking tracks, walking tracks. I don't know what that is, but uh, you know. We're doing all that because we want to reach our community. And we're going into the public schools. And we're going into a mentoring and, and a tutoring program. We're going to bring those public school kids here. Why? Because we believe that Jesus is coming back. We want to do everything we can. The preacher, what happens in a couple of, well, what happens in a few months from now when all this stuff is going and Jesus comes back? What do you think? I'll leave it for you. You know what I believe God will say? Well done. You did the right thing. See, you know what's the problem with some folks? We need to do right because it's right, not because you're going to win. It's right. Jesus is coming back. He has the authority to do so. Now, if you keep reading, beginning in verse 17, we, we see a very interesting thing taking place here. The avenging Christ. Uh, a lot of times we picture Christ, we don't picture him in this situation there in Revelation 19. In fact, the book of Revelation is written in three stanzas. One, in the beginning of the book, the world is ruined by man. The middle of the book, it's ruled by Satan. But the end of Revelation, it is reclaimed by Christ. 
And I think it's important for us to understand that and important to what's going on here and all. Uh, in order for Christ to reclaim the earth, he's going to have to deal with all the rebellion against him and root it out and clean it up. Uh, we see that in verse 17, the fowls of the heaven. Look at verse 17. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying, And to all the birds that fly in the midst of heaven, come and gather together for the supper of the great God, that you may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains and the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of horses and those who, verse 21, those who sit on, him, on them and flesh of the people free and slave, both small and great. And all the birds were filled with the flesh. It's an awful picture. Uh, an awful, awful picture, because what he's doing, he's having these birds come to a place called Armageddon. This is where this is going to take place. These vultures of the earth, the angel calls them to the, to the feast of the Armageddon and the carcasses, the enemies of God will have fallen. And the Bible says that they were both great and small and bond and free. And if you look there in chapter 19, you see two suppers being talked about. Uh, verse 9 says, then said he, right, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. The marriage supper of the Lamb is a great and joyous celebration, a, a wedding between the church, and, 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 which is a bride, and, and Jesus, which is a bridegroom. And the, there'll be a great wedding there and a, a wedding supper. And, and you know, I think about a lot of times in weddings, have you noticed that they're always trying to figure out what to serve at weddings? Uh, I've been to weddings that have had potato bars. Have you been to one of those? Cupcake things? Have you been to the cupcake one? You know? And I, I'm looking for the one that serves sunnies. But it's coming. It's called the marriage, marriage supper of the Lamb. You know, I don't know what it's going to serve, but can't you imagine? It's going to be pretty good, you know? And I, I'm so thankful that this morning I've got my reservation in to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And I think if you're this morning, you don't have that reservation, you better make the reservation before you walk out of here this morning. But the Bible also says there's another uh, situation going to happen. Uh, this is, the, this is the, the, the area that we need to be conscious of. Uh, the Supper of God is talked about here, the time of carnage and judgment reserved for those that don't know the Lord and all. So it's an awful thing. And when we read these type of things, uh, I, I hope it makes you cringe. I, I, hope that, 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 that I hope you're not comfortable about this. Uh, you know, a lot of times we come to church and we want to walk out here so comfortable. That's not why you come to church. We come to learn something. We come to be challenged. We come to worship the Lord and all. Now, the foes of heaven, look at, their, look at verses 19 and again. The futility, if you will, of fighting, the foolishness of fighting against God. Verse 19, and I saw the beast, the kings of the earth, and their armies gathered to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. Can't you imagine fighting against the creator of the universe? Rebellion never makes sense, by the way. It doesn't. Now, this, this makes total no sense. Why in the world would you attempt that, first of all? You think it's going to work? You know? No. But rebellion doesn't make sense. Rebellion is not reasonable in the logic. Rebellion, the Bible says, is as a sin of witchcraft, which is where Satan comes into play. And so there, the futility of fighting, look at the, uh, the false prophet and the beast. We see what's getting ready to happen to them in verse 20. Then the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet who worked signs in presence by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast. You know, I used to couldn't figure out how they could do that mark of the beast. We can now, can't we? There was a day, I remember this being preached, and it was hard. How could this even happen? And then you hear folks talk about a cashless society. 
pretty much there now. Uh, these things that we thought that couldn't happen or we couldn't really, uh, remember we talked about a few weeks ago and how that folks would preach about Israel becoming a nation and how folks before 1948 would laugh at that. Israel couldn't be a nation. They were scattered throughout the world. No way until it happened, which I believe was a major sign when it comes to the Lord's return. And we see things like this and we say, man, how, how could that happen? How could that mark of the beast, you know, how could that take place? And we see it is taking place. Those things are going to happen. Those two, this, speaking of the, of the false prophet, those two were cast alive in the lake of fire with brimstone. The Bible says that these beasts were captured and taken. These two satanic creatures actually get to hell before Satan. And the Bible says 1,000 years after the beast and false prophet are thrown in the lake of fire, we read about Satan in Revelation 20.10. It says, the devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and false prophet are. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. This scripture is proving their hell is not annihilation. And it's not purgatory. For a thousand years, this, 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 these two fallen creatures were in that place and did not, were not annihilated, nor were they purified, either one. Now, the finality of, Christians, of Christ's victory over the rebellion, verse, verse 21, and the rest were killed with the sword which proceeds from the mouth of him who sat on the throne. The literal, physical, visible return of Christ to this earth is a certain promise in the word of God. But there are preachers today that preach that the second coming was the Holy Spirit coming. Second coming was the birth of the church. The second coming was the Reformation. But to be honest with you, the Bible, if we understand the word of God, God's not giving us a metaphor nor telling us a parable, he was making a promise that he's coming back. I think it's important for us to understand that and important for us to see that. Now, so what? This is going to happen. It's, it's interesting when, they, when you hear this preaching, particularly a few uh, moments ago when I talked about the beast and, the, and, 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 the, and Satan being cast into hell. And, you know, hell's almost disappeared. Have you noticed that? Uh, you don't hear much preaching on hell, and uh, you know, you ever wonder why that they it, it's turned into a swell, sw swear word? Uh, I hear people telling people to go to hell. Have you ever heard that? Or you're a hell of a guy. They have any idea what they're saying? No, they don't. But they're being desensitized about what hell really is, about what's really getting ready to happen. You know, we can act like it's not true, so it's not true. Really, uh, because I don't believe it doesn't mean it's true. You know, I heard people say, well, God said it, and I believe it. That settles it. You've heard me say this before. God believe it. God said it. That settles it, whether you believe it or not. And God doesn't need your stamp of approval. So, he's coming back. I mean, thousands and thousands of scriptures indicate that. Even the last verse, almost the last verse of the Bible says he's coming back. I mean, he talks about it. So how and where should that place us, and what should we do? How does this apply to our life? Well, there's two or three things I want to close with real quick for you. And in each of these things, I think it's important to understand that because of what you know, your life ought to be different. Because of the truth of the Word of God, something ought to change. It can't really be business as usual if the Word of God's true. This is getting ready to happen. How should we respond? How should we live our lives? Well, three things real quick. There's a bunch I could put on here, but 
The first thing we need to remember, the Lord's table. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six. For as oft as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. This is looking upward. You know, it's amazing why we, uh, we're having communion on the, on, on the 14th. On that love Sunday, we're going, to, we're going to love the Lord. We're going to be having communion that particular day. And, and we do so, a lot of times, I, I think we've taken it, uh, something that was very joyous, exciting, uh, anticipating time, and we've turned it into a very solemn, uh, liturgical, you know, almost we don't, you know, I mean, it's probably the only time our services are quieter is during offerings. There's a message there. And it's subliminal, though. And so, but, but you know, but when I understand what the scripture talks about, I read about the, the, the Lord's table, it's something that we're looking upward. Uh, it's, it's saying that we anticipate the Lord's return and we're thankful for the body that broken and the blood that was shed, but we're saying by our actions that we believe he's coming back. We are looking upward. We're, we're anticipating what the Lord's going to do, anticipating his coming. That's upward. Number two, we need to look inward. We can relate to one another in love, 1 Thessalonians 3, 12 and 13. And may the Lord, this is 1 Thessalonians 3, 12 through 13. May the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another, to all, just as we do to you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless and wholeness before God the Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. Uh, we need to look for inward. We, we need to look for ways to love people. Well, we need to look, look for opportunities to reach out to folks. Uh, to say that encouraging word, you might be amazed to know there are people here today that are discouraged. Did you know that? There are folks here today that are going through some very difficult times. Uh, there's folks that came here today that was all they could do to get dressed and get cleaned up and get here. They're going for, and, and they're sitting by you, and, and they put on the Christian smile. Front teeth. That's a, if they, it's not the Christian smile. I mean, they Christian smile, and we ask the Christian, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing good. You liar. You're not doing good. Man, things are falling apart, but we go through all that stuff and all. Well, you know, one of the things we ought to do when we come to church, you know, why don't you pray, number one, why don't you pray, God, help me be a blessing to somebody today. Help me to sit by someone that I can say an encouraging word. And if you don't like how I'm preaching, why don't you pray for me? Help him, God, to study better than he's studying or read better books, you know, something. I'm just saying, hey, when we think about the Lord's return, we ought to, it ought to cause us to look upward and look under Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, anticipating his coming, which will determine my behavior. We ought to look inward. We ought to look ways can we be, a, let's not look ways we can tear up sunshine. How can we build it up? How can we help it to do what it's got to do? Help us to realize that, that we have an opportunity to get a, the work done. Let's get it done. And one of the ways we can do that what a deal if every Sunday morning you came and your goal was to be an encouragement to someone in that service that Sunday. That's not a big deal. Oh, it's a big deal. Some of you would have to quit sitting in the same place as you're sitting right now. The problem with that, I wouldn't know you were here. Because some of you, I mean, you sit in the same place every time. You youth are trying to mess me up. I see you over here now. Michael, I said youth, not old, old ball people. <laughs> you may have to look around. Walk into church rather than, rather than figuring out how hard it is for us to get this air conditioner straightened out. I mean, if it's cold outside, it's tough to get it cooler in here. Even though it's 72 in here and it feels like 82. 
And so, but we have a warm church. I'm saying, hey, this is true. This is true. It ought to affect me. It ought to affect my vision to look upward to Jesus. It ought to affect my, my, my love to look inward to other folks, to look for ways that I can show God's love, look for ways to get the word of God out. The last is this. It will cause us to look outward. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 4, 1 and 2, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus who will judge the living and the dead as is appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Be, be, be ready. Be in, in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. And, and we need to look outward. Uh, we, we're, not, we're not wanting to hold back. Uh, we're wanting to do more. We're, running, look, we're looking for more opportunities, looking for more ways to get the gospel out. Uh, you know, it's like folks said, well, you, know, when I, you heard me talk about fishing before. How many of you know what trout lines are? Trout line fishing. That's, that's not fishing, that's catching. Said, so, you like to fish? I do not like to fish. Now catch. I, I remember years ago, I was, uh, this one guy was in our church, one of our offices in our church, and uh, he'd go out and spend hours and hours in a boat fishing. I mean, I... I, I how do you do that? I mean, you know, I, I mean, you know, he just, you know, I, I, but, but, but I'm going to do that. I want to do some catching. I, I, as, a, as a ministry, we're looking for every way possible that we can get the gospel out. If the, if the, if the mentoring and tutoring program will go, if we can reach someone with a soccer ball, we're going to do it. We're going to do all we can with everything we can, as long as we can, because I believe his coming motivates us. The love of Christ ought to constrain us. It doesn't make sense that we're not involved more. No matter how you look at it, you should never be the same if you believe the Lord's coming back. We need to wake up. It's really like this. You're going to live either expecting it or denying it. But you're not going to be in the middle of it. And so I challenge you this morning. God, I, if you're here and you're not, you're not sure about eternity, and you know some of the things I've talked about this morning, maybe they don't make a lot of sense to you, and, and I got it. But I want to tell you right now, you're, you're, that sensing that you have within, that, that yearning, that, that uh, uh, emptiness that's there, that so desperately needs to be filled, that's, God, that's a God, the God part of your life. And this morning, if you'd be willing to uh, let God believe his book and trust what, his word of, what the word of God says and receive him as your personal savior. And I want to understand that requires repentance. It requires a change. I don't want to stand up here this morning and tell you if, you if God is really God in your life, that your life will be the same as it is now. It won't be. It'll be better. So I, I challenge you. If you're not sure about eternity, you need to come and accept it. But I, but I, but I challenge you that do know Christ as your personal savior and you're not really doing much about it. Why not this morning say, hey, you know, I just want, I, I want the Lord to be Lord of my life. I've heard people say he's Lord of all or not at all. And so I, I just encourage you, this morning you have an opportunity to respond to what God has said to you. You know, our responsibility is our best to try to deliver this to you. Your responsibility is to accept it or reject it. You will do one of them. So. God has dealt with you this morning. You may be here, and there may be some other things that God is dealing with you about. One of the things we're teaching on Wednesday night is the book of Acts, verse by verse, great study. 
one of the things that we, we explained to him that a transition was coming. Up until the book of Acts, God was always with us. Now in the book of Acts, God is going to be in us. Big difference. Transition and change was coming within the, within that, within the church. This morning, I'm so glad that I can invite, encourage you to invite God to come within you. But as many as received him, to them, give you power to become the sons of God.